And happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the weekend edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I am Gil Martin, and with me, as always, every Friday is Rachel Donner. And happy Friday, Rachel. Happy Friday. We made it through another week, and, you know, it's a little... uh, I don't know what the right word is. It's hard to believe that, you know, after this weekend, we may not have any live NHL games for a few months now. Could be. Uh, It could either end tonight or on Sunday. Or we go to game seven if the Lightning suddenly uh, find themselves quickly enough to extend the series and uh, certainly I saw, I thought this series was going to go seven games, uh, doesn't look like that's likely, but I've learned over the last few years not to count out the lightning anytime soon. Absolutely. Uh, they have come back from elimination several times this year alone. So I think that anything is still possible in this series, but man, it kind of looks like we're heading for an avalanche cup. Does look that way. Uh, before I forget, want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now, Rachel, we've got a lot to discuss, but let's start with the controversy surrounding Game 4 in Tampa. Nazem Kadri getting the game winner 12 minutes, 2 seconds into overtime, but... How many men were on the ice and should that goal have counted? Your your thoughts about what happened on oh, Wednesday. It, it absolutely should have counted. I don't know what they were complaining about. Uh, it's It was just one of those like weird middle ground things and there was no effect on the play. And yeah, I, I think that um, especially for Tampa to complain about too many men on the ice is <laughs> a little questionable. I mean, obviously, you know, the rules are the rules, but at the same time, I just think that it was very clearly a goal and uh, we can all move on from that. What is it that the avalanche are doing so well in your mind that is causing them to control the pace and tempo of the series? You know, I I think it's several things. Number one, I think that they're just so structurally sound that even when I think Tampa is playing at their best, Colorado does not panic. It's just something that they don't do. And you especially noticed it in the overtime of game four, I would say that it was a pretty dominant period by the avalanche leading up to the cadre goal. I think that um, they had many more shots on goal. Um, They controlled the pace of play. And despite the fact that that game had started with a very quick Tampa Bay lightning goal, that it just did not phase them at all at any point, you know, later in the game. And I feel like, there are so many chances that Tampa could have changed momentum and they just couldn't because Colorado is like, yeah, we, you know, we can figure this out. We got this. And uh, I, th- I think it was just as simple as that. It's the confidence plus the structure. They really do seem to be on top of their game. And, and I think one of the things that I noticed and it, and it definitely surprised me 
Tampa Bay does not seem to have an answer for the speed game of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, that is that is also true. I think that Tampa has gotten a little slower than they were when they won their first cup of the two and, you know, kind of got more physical uh, and in their roster and uh, Colorado has kind of gone more all in on speed and skill uh, to a larger degree. And I think that that has also affected how this series has played out. And I was definitely one of the people that worried that Colorado hadn't had to fight as hard in the playoffs thus far as Tampa did um, and wouldn't have that extra push or that extra fight in them. But clearly they can and they have. <laughs> no, no question about it. Also got to give props to Darcy Kemper. And the strong play that he provided, 37 saves and 39 shots faced in game four. And even if he's not necessarily outplaying Andre Vasilevsky, he's at least equaling him. And, you know, you could argue he's outplaying him, but he's at least playing as well as Vasilevsky. And to the Avalanche's credit, he's probably not seeing as many dangerous opportunities. That is absolutely true. I think Darcy Kemper makes me exceedingly more nervous than Vasilevsky does. <laughs> Agreed. But I do think that, you know, and he, I think he gets shaken a little bit more, but I think he's doing enough. And that's all that matters is that if you're not resting everything on the back of your goaltender, the goaltender just has to do enough. And the rest of the team has to make up for it in terms of defensive structure in front of him and also offensively. And that's what the Avalanche do. Your thoughts about the game-winning goal by Kadri? at least, you know, he was injured. He had surgery on his thumb, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. He comes back in his first game and gets the overtime game winner. Your thoughts about that story? I mean, good for him. I thought it was really funny that uh, they couldn't tell that it was a goal at first yeah. because the puck got stuck in the net. Uh, but it was very clearly in. And so uh, the sort of delayed celebration was kind of funny. But um, I, I think that it's a moment that's that's good for him. And I'm glad he was able to get back into the series. Yeah, you, you don't like seeing some of the better players have to miss a big series like this. And then for Kadri to have an instant impact like that uh, certainly bodes well for him. Nathan McKinnon, eight shots on goal for Colorado he scored one but he just really seems to be a force out there offensively for the abs he really does I think that you know obviously there's a lot of options on that team but Nathan McKinnon is a guy that's supposed to take charge in these situations and he's doing that and so definitely worth the price of admission for abs fans no question. And it, it, it has been a fun series to watch. I will say that with the exception of the blowout game, where unless you were an, an avalanche fan, you know, watching a seven, nothing game loses its luster after a while, but uh, you know, it, all the games thus far have been entertaining and competitive. I think so too. And I, I think, you know, we talked about, it last week where we said that this was the series that everybody wanted and we were happy to get it. And I think that that is still ringing true for me. I, I think that regardless of how it turns out and, and again, I'm not, you know, thinking that 
Colorado has this in the bag. I think that Tampa absolutely has the ability to come back in this series. And should they do that, all the more fun for the rest of us. <laughs> Let it go seven then. Huh? <laughs> now, Listen. go ahead. So tonight, which is the next game in the series, we're looking at the Avs with a chance to win their first cup in 21 years and do it in front of their home fans. Obviously, you don't care that much where you win, just that you win. But obviously, it would be sweeter for the Avs fans if they can do it at home. Oh, sure. That's how, uh, you know, you want it to go, where the home team gets to, you know, enjoy that victory but at the same time I think the players don't care where they win they just (laughs) want to win especially when you get to the final absolutely you know it may be a little more uh melodramatic at home a little more exciting because the fans are celebrating with you but uh better to win on the road than not to win at all no question about that and uh abs fans who have waited 21 years for this moment I think they'll be just as happy if it happens down in Florida in game six as it, as they would if it happens in Colorado. What, what do the avalanche have to do in order to win game five and send the series back to Tampa? Um, I mean, what does Tampa have to do? Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. I think that they, they're big stars have to step up i think stamkos really needs to to take charge i think that they just have to show that leadership that has gotten them this far in the first place and you know i I think that they probably should try and stay out of the penalty box although that didn't really hurt them so much um this past game it was more um you know five on five for most of the game but I I do think that maybe they need some depth players to step up in a way that they haven't before I think it's just a team effort and and to not panic I think that's that's the main point there is that in no way shape or form should they be panicked or let the crowd get to them just kind of play their game and and I think they'll be okay honestly you, you mentioned Stamkos, only one shot on goal out of the 39 that his team took. That is not typical of Steven Stamkos. Correct. <laughs> and how about Vasilevsky? I mean, I, I assume he has to be a little bit better, but his team also has to support him a little bit more. Yeah, they do. That's what I'm saying. It has to be a full team effort. All right. Well, we've got a lot more to discuss on today's show. We'll be talking about the off-season calendar and free agency and a lot more. But first, Rachel, uh, why don't you talk to us about Bet Online? BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, league review, and news, including this year's NHL Stanley Cup Final and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to esports and more. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news all year round. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events like MMA or boxing or golf. 
So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So let's let me ask you this before we change the topic. Uh, do we have a sixth game? Your, your thoughts on uh, whether the series ends tonight or whether we go on to Sunday? I think we're going to go on to Sunday. That is my educated guess. I agree with you. I think that's what we're going to see. I think, you know, whether they can come back and win the series, I think Tampa Bay has at least one game where they make one last valiant stand to defend their two-time championships and and keep that hope for three-peat alive just a little bit longer. I, I think they will. So, Let's talk a little bit about the calendar because the the full off season could very well be upon us by the end of this weekend, and if not, certainly by early next week. What do you what do we have on tap once we get into July, which starts this coming week? Yeah, it's much closer than it feels because we're still playing hockey in the Stanley Cup final, but the NHL draft is two weeks away. You know, round one is on Thursday, the 7th, round two through seven is on Friday, the 8th. And that's not a lot of time. I think, you know, all the the latest rankings lists are coming out and people are kind of scrambling to figure out who their team should select versus who they will select. And so there's going to be a lot of, I think, prognostication on that front over the next couple of weeks. So uh, we will be talking about that for sure on Locked On NHL, and we'll have a full draft coverage from Montreal uh, included. But I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of churn related to that, in addition to, you know, some of the coaching carousel openings that have started to get filled. Yeah, that's uh, going to be interesting as well. And and then free agency, not that far behind. Definitely not that far behind. Uh, It is July 13th is the big day. And uh, that, of course, was pushed later because of the way the schedule was this year. And I think that free agency this year is going to be especially important because, you know, according to what we just learned, this is sort of the last year of a more stagnant cap where it only went up a million to 82.5 this year, it should go up more in future years. So in terms of free agents and signings and what contracts can can look like teams, I think will be banking to some degree on having more room in future years, but also having to account for this first year of new contracts uh, with much less money to work with. Yeah, it's going to be a little tricky, but GMs are going to have to get creative. And uh, somehow, you know, the better teams, the, the when I say better, the, the better run teams, uh, they find a way to, to fit players under the cap, to create cap space, whether it's through trades or LTIR or uh, letting people go or stashing them in the minors. The well-run teams find a way to fit the players they need under the cap somehow. Yeah, it's it's really tight. And I think that there's going to be a lot of teams struggling with their cap management. 
Uh, there's going to be some teams struggling to get to the cat floor, as always, with our usual <laughs> suspects. So I, that was one thing I really did wish they raised the cat floor a little bit and make it a little harder on those teams. <laughs> but, um, you know, and not make them dumping grounds and, and draft pick farms. But I think that uh, it's, it it is something that I think requires sort of a, a new kind of GM and, and a new kind of hockey operations management. And there are some teams, I think, that uh, still kind of operate in an old school mentality, whereas others are more adept at dealing with this. And I think this year's free agency is going to show a lot of that because I think there's going to have to be a lot of trades for teams to create cap space in order to make things work. So, uh, yeah, this summer, I, I think all said and done is going to be very fascinating in the NHL. Going to be eventful, I agree. And I think on draft day, we're going to see a lot of movement, a lot of trades involving picks, involving contracts and people assuming cap space. And that will certainly make things interesting for us because we'll have lots to talk about. Yes, that is absolutely true. Who who are some of the names that you're looking at when free agency gets underway next month? For this year? Yeah. I mean, for this year's free agency, I think uh, Kadri is a huge name. Johnny Goudreau is the huge other big name, I think. Um, and of course, I'm thinking about it from a Flyers perspective and who they might be <laughs> trying to get. And not saying I necessarily want that to happen. I'm just saying that that is something, you know, that has been talked about, certainly in many circles. But um, I think those are like the two biggest names. Uh Claude Giroux, obviously, uh, you know, someone you followed for many, many years, your thoughts as to where he might end up. Honestly, could not tell you. And it, I, I, I don't care. I mean, I do because I want him to be happy, but I think that, you know, he's moved on and he made a choice that Florida was where he wanted to go and didn't work out this playoffs, but he seems to like it there. So maybe he'll resign if they have enough room, uh, but they've got a new coach there. So we'll see about that. I, I, I just think that, you know, there's several options for him and he will pursue whatever he thinks will uh, do him best. Would, would it be more upsetting to you if he signed with another metropolitan division team? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I'm not sure I see that happening, but um, I, I suppose anything's possible. And <laughs> it's happened before. Like, I've been through this before. Um, if it was like going through this with Eric Lendros, I think I would be more <laughs> upset about it. But I've kind of been through this <laughs> circus already. And so just it's the nature of the business. I think like everything that I was like feeling about him leaving the Flyers already has been processed. Yeah, I, I would say that is uh, understandable and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up, you know, 34 years old. This is probably his last chance to sign that, you know, re relatively long-term big contract. And, uh, you know, does he value the most money? Does he value trying to win a cup? Uh, that all remains to be seen. Uh, but, you know, some other 
big names out there this year. You've got Evgeny Malkin yet to re-sign with Pittsburgh. P.K. Subban uh, is out there. Patrick Lane, Chris Letang, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. So there's a, there's a lot of names out there, uh, uh, well-known players who either maybe a little past their prime or could help a lot of teams, maybe a little of both. Could be. I think Malkin is is a very interesting player on that list just because um, he's been such an indelible part of the Pittsburgh Penguins for so long. But there does seem to be a substantial chance that he could be leaving, which doesn't seem possible. But uh, I think that, you know, Latang is, is going to be the priority for Pittsburgh between the two. And and he's more likely to continue to play in Pittsburgh. And Malkin may be sort of the sacrificial lamb in all of this. But then again, you know, Sidney Crosby may have a word about that. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, is Malkin going to be willing to take a huge pay cut in order to stay there? I don't know. Well, we will uh, we'll find out in the next few weeks, uh, most likely, as uh Free agency is just around the corner. We've got more to discuss on today's Locked On NHL podcast, including uh, an interesting signing in Boston and some news from around the league. So more to come on the Locked On NHL podcast. So, Rachel, uh, news out of Boston, Patrice Bergeron staying with the Bruins, the 36-year-old Looks like he's going to sign a one-year deal for one more go-round with the Bruins. He's their captain, their spiritual leader, been there for a while. Your thoughts on that decision? I mean, I think for me, the biggest effect that has is that it makes Pasternak more likely to stay. And that kind of gives that team a little bit more heft than maybe we would have expected. Because it kind of felt like the Bruins were falling apart at the seams, uh, you know, firing the coach and weren't sure about Bergeron and, and all of the, and were they going to trade Pasternak and, and all of this. And so I think that adds some stability to what seemed like a very big uh, off season of upheaval. Yeah. And, and I think if you're the, the Boston Bruins, you really want to have that stability uh, to sort of transition. I mean, there are some older players on this roster, but the Bruins were still a contending team this year. And, you know, to keep your captain and, and the guy who has been your leader and, and with this team for so long is important for the Boston Bruins at this stage of their rebuilding state uh, uh, or at this stage of their development. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm not sure like what state the Bruins are in, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you I know? am either. <laughs> like, are they rebuilding? Are they not rebuilding? Are they doing one more thing, <laughs> you know, trying to make this work one more time? I don't know. It's hard to tell from day to day, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really, it, it truly is. What did you think of coach Cooper and his reaction to the controversy that we saw on Wednesday night. About the, the game winning goal, the game winning goal. Yeah. I, I honestly, it doesn't matter to me. It's a goal. Right. So he can talk all he wants. I, <laughs> I think that, you know, it's his job to advocate for his team and that's what he was doing. 
right. I think to a large degree, but uh, what he had to say was kind of neither here nor there ultimately. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was sort of, uh, you know, sort of walking that line. I think he, he was trying to support his team without getting fined. I think that was more or less the, the line. He There's was that to too. Yeah. There is that too. <laughs> but you know, the other question I guess is emotionally, uh, Losing in overtime is always emotionally difficult. And, you know, how I, I figure if any team can bounce back from that emo, stunning emotional loss, the Lightning have got to be near the top of that list. Oh, 100%. 100%. That's why I think it'll go to at least a game six. Yeah. And uh, I, I am looking forward to it. I, I really believe that you know there is a lot of entertaining hockey to be played in this series and I'm enjoying it I mean just the the quality of play has been uh very high and you know coming into the series we all said okay these are probably the two best teams we could get and I think with the exception of the one blowout game that the series has delivered on that high level of play that we expected yeah I 100% agree. So should be a a very interesting weekend and possibly the last weekend of the, of the 2021, 2022 NHL season. And I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say no more hockey uh, games that count until October. Yeah. October 11th. Can't wait. (laughs) Not that we're counting or anything. No, not us. (laughs) I know I'm uh, eagerly awaiting the first, uh, is it October yet? Hashtag. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Only hockey fans. You got to love it. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Got to love it. Uh, Rachel, any, any final thoughts before we wrap up? I mean, I, I can't believe that this could be it. And that next week we will be in the full throws of the off season uh, by the time we reunite to talk. Yeah. I mean, even if it goes seven uh, by next Friday, when we reconvene here, uh, this, this series will be over. So uh, this is uh, definitely the last show we have while this Stanley cup final is being played, but uh, looking forward to whatever remaining games we have, whether it's one, two or three more to go, should be some uh, entertaining hockey. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Uh, Rachel, you can follow her on Twitter at rmiriam. You can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. And uh, I will be back on Monday with uh, possibly discussing the end of the Stanley Cup final series, but certainly covering that from uh, all angles and the latest on coaching changes and news from around the NHL. So make sure you join us for that. Have a great weekend, everybody. And thanks again for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.